Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, that's rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is preacher, Christian educator, father of missionaries and preachers, Jack Bliffin. I met Brother Jack back in the late 70s when I was in my early 20s. I don't know if you remember that, brother, but you were president of Mid-South Christian College at the time and invited me to speak at chapel. Now, that was a big deal for a young preacher. Uh, You gave me a book out of the bookstore, The Life and Times of Jesus by Edersheim. I didn't, you told me I could pick anyone I wanted. I didn't know what to pick. So you gave me that one, and I really loved that book. Well, uh, I don't know if we've ever had occasion to, to run into each other uh, more than once or twice, if that much, in all the years that have intervened. So um, I have, I've already interviewed two of your sons, uh, Jerry and John, and uh, I'm looking forward to learning more about your life and ministry, and then someday getting your other son, Jim. So, uh, Brother Jack, tell us your story. Okay, let me just advise you that Jim is going to be handier since he's going to be living in uh, Prairie Grove, Arkansas, uh, after this month. So, Oh, all right. Uh, well, I will make an effort to, to either go by and see him or get him on an interview online like we're doing today. Right. He's... Uh, He's changing his ministry with Pioneer Bible Translators. That's a group that goes out to uh, countries where they, the tribes of people who have only a spoken language, and they live with the people long enough to learn their language uh, verbally, and then they have a... uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators produced a uh, an encyclopedia of sounds, every sound that can be made with the human voice, and they have a character that they use for that, a letter or a, a symbol, oh. and they translate the Bible into that new language which they've written, and they're able then to teach the people to read the Word of God in their own language. And it's a real, real blessing. It takes about 30 years to accomplish that. Well, I look forward but, to talking about that. And uh, well, tell me about yeah. your, your, about you, Brother Jack. Did you, uh, did you grow up in a Christian family? I grew up in the most Christian family on earth. My <laughs> dad was a devout uh, Christian and mother as well. It's interesting that the two of them, dad was raised a Lutheran, mother was raised a uh, Methodist, and when they had their first child, they decided, dad decided, we ought not to be in two churches, we need to just be in one. Now the way we'll decide which one, I'll read the Bible, and then we'll go to whichever one, the Methodist or the Lutheran, is closest to the Bible. And mother said, fine. Mother always did what dad said. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a real biblical marriage. But anyway, 
uh, dad read the Bible for six months. And then he told mother, we can't go to either one of these churches because <laughs> neither one of them is really teaching the Bible. So they visited around to a number of others. They finally ended up in the Sixth Avenue Church of Christ in Huntington, West Virginia. That's where they lived. And they were baptized there and uh, raised their children. I went to church the first time when I was two weeks old. Couldn't go earlier than that because in those days, a, pre a mother who had just given birth had to be kept in bed for two weeks. Mm. Now it's about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Things changed. Yeah. But anyway, uh, from that point, Dad always spent the hour from uh, 6 o'clock in the morning until 7, reading the Bible and prayer. And he taught his children that the only thing that matters is, for you to know is the Bible. He mm. had nine children. Nine of his children went to Bible college. Oh. Of that nine, all four, all four daughters, uh, well, three of them married preachers, and the fourth one became a missionary. Uh, she was a missionary to Africa, and uh, she said, I could marry any preacher I want, uh, any preacher I please. I just don't please any of them. So <laughs> she spent her life on the mission field in Africa and uh, was a marvelous missionary. Uh, the only brother who did not become a preacher became a printer like his dad. And so of that nine children, he was on through his life, he was an elder and a deacon and so forth in the church, um, always. I was born in 1929, in October. The so now, now let me let me just interrupt you. So that makes you how old right now, brother? Ninety-two. Ninety-two, and you're still yeah. preaching. I preach every Sunday night. All right. At the Yalaha Community Church in Yalaha, Florida. Hmm. This uh, they, uh, I was born, and the news got to to New York two weeks later, and the whole economy collapsed all over. <laughs> we had the Great Depression. Uh, but then uh, mother says that I decided that I was going to be a preacher when I was seven years old. And uh, uh, the I, I never had any other major uh, ambition than to be a preacher of the gospel. So I have been preaching. I preached my first sermon on October the 10th, 1947. I've been preaching 75 years almost. Oh, my goodness. Where were you at when you preached? Time. Where did you preach that first sermon? And I, I should say to our listeners that uh, your son John is there with you today. And the other, your other boys are coming in, but he's with you during this podcast. So if they hear another voice, that's who that is. But where did you preach that first sermon? I preached that first sermon at the Antioch Christian Church 
in Phil, Kentucky. From that church building, you could not see another building, house, store, nothing. <laughs> the church was way out in the country. <laughs> uh, so uh, Dr. Denny Pruitt, he wasn't doctor then, but Denny Pruitt was a student with me at Kentucky Christian College. He was the regular preacher of that church. He took me down there to preach my first sermon at that church uh, on that Sunday. We had to leave on Saturday and drive eight hours from the college to the church. We had, after the service was over and we had lunch, it was eight hours driving back. I preached for seven minutes. <laughs> and I told, I told the people everything I knew twice. <laughs> well, you know, I believe great preachers come from seven-minute sermons because my first sermon was seven minutes. So yes, I, right. I, I like to think well, that we're, we're very much akin in that way. <laughs> we're, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, that uh, was my ambition. And then I was so pleased with the Bible college at Kentucky Christian that I decided I wanted to be a Bible college president. You know, might as well go all the way to the top. Well, uh, after uh, several years, I, I did finish my uh, college at Kentucky Christian. Then I went to the University of Pittsburgh for a master's degree in Christian education. And uh, then came back and I taught at Kentucky Christian beginning in 1969, right? 1960. 1960. Oh, I left mm. in 69. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's why it's good to have a memory beside it. <laughs> I know that because I was born in 1959 and I was raised in KCC. You were a year old. <laughs> yeah. I was three months old. Yeah. So anyway, I taught at Kentucky Christian for 10 years. Then I taught at uh, Atlanta Christian College for three years. And then uh, later on, I became president of Mid-South Christian College. And I was president there for five years. Uh, since that time, I've just preached and preached and preached and uh, intend to keep on. Uh, I'm, I intend to preach until they carry me out of church in a box. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, this uh, this time of being uh, a Bible college professor and president was a really enjoyable time. And I like to think I had some effect on a number of people, students, to, uh, uh, over the years. Um, well, you they, certainly affected my life, and I wasn't even a student there. I should have been because I was in my early 20s, but you, you really impressed me the one time that we got together and you were such an encouragement to me and and i needed that i really needed that so i think every young preacher needs encouragement um the last time i was at mid-south christian college two of the uh, preachers there uh, told me that they had come to that college to be a preacher just because i asked them 
So mm -hmm. I was really pleased with that. And that included the president. Yeah, one I was so going to say, college. one of those is Larry Griffin, the current president. <laughs> yes, and he, is, uh, he has told that story when I interviewed him. You'll have to get oh. you'll have to get uh, John to go back and play his his uh, for you. His was a very good interview, and and he told the story, which I never knew the story till we sat down and talked, and it was really good. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I believe don't don't you, brother Jack, that that we're not asking young men to be preachers anymore. We're not putting that in their hearts and their minds, uh, and the world's certainly not doing it. Used to the world actually helped out a little bit there, but they don't anymore. No, and that that is a crying shame because uh, we spend we take our youth programs at church, and they become entertainment, mm. yes, sir. rather than teaching. Yes, sir. And I, I really think that uh, I I am concerned for the kingdom, um, so I'm going to do all I can while I can, and. <laughs> uh, Anyway, um, to go back to the ministries, I preached uh, first uh, full-time at Eskdale, West Virginia. That was a coal mine town up Cabin Creek. Now, you have and, to tell us, what would that give us? A, it may not be nearest city, but the nearest city to it would be? Charleston. Charles. okay. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, my daughter was born in Charleston's hospital while I was preaching there. We'll, so uh, We'll be driving through Charleston tomorrow. Oh, okay. Uh, my father-in-law, Charles Fultz, was an elder in the, and found, helping founder of the, what was first the West Side Christian Church and then became the uh, capital. I don't know that one. Cole Run? No. Not not the Cole Run Church. No, no, no. That was that was later. I have to tell you about Cole Run. Um, <laughs> but while I was a student at Kentucky Christian, now I want to. Hear, I want you to that. Now I've heard this story once from Jerry, but I want to hear it from your lips. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Jerry has just retired as preacher there, but uh, when uh, we got a phone call at the college. Uh, President Lesby uh, told me, he said, this this church down at Cole Run, Kentucky, near Pikeville, uh, has needs a preacher, and they have, are down to two women and ten little children, and they have Sunday school and uh, communion every Sunday, but they're going to close the church unless we send them a preacher. He said, would you want to go do it? And I said, yeah, I was a freshman in college. <laughs> I'd been in college for two months. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, no, I'd been in college a year because that was during my uh, sophomore year. But I went down to preach at Cole Run. It was in Upper East, Tennis, uh, upper East Kentucky. And I mean Upper. It was in the mountains of Kentucky. And um, I rode the oldest surviving Greyhound bus each way <laughs> because the roads were so horrible. Uh, Route 23 was as crooked and windy as any uh, you ever saw. 
I'm told that the engineers followed the snake trail to mm. build the road up there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I got car sick riding the bus every Sunday. Uh, well, go, went down on Saturday, came back on Sunday afternoon, and got car sick both ways. Oh, every time. So how long did you preach there? Two years. And during that two years, we got the attendance up to about 40. The men were coming back to church, and things were really moving along well. And then I had the opportunity to be an associate uh, minister uh, at the Gandalf Church in Huntington, West Virginia. And there I um, worked with uh, Brother Ralph, um, okay, Barber, I think. But anyway, uh, he was a, a fine, fine uh, man. And uh, I preached uh, every Sunday night for the first semester and then every Sunday morning for the second semester uh, of my uh, senior year in uh, in college, but the Coal Run Church, um, as I say, started off with 12 people, and the um, when the men finally started coming back and the church started growing, then later on, they hired E.W. Dameron, uh, another mountain preacher, uh, to come and preach for them. They were still doing just part-time. Well, E.W. You led the church to grow to the point that they finally asked him to come and uh, be their full-time preacher. He did and preached until he was 80-some years old and finally retired. And uh, then his son-in-law, who was my son, Jerry, right. became the preacher of the Coal Run Church. And it's still there. And now, now they've got a building that uh, cost them a million and a half dollars to build, and it was paid for. Um, and it's uh, just a, a growing good. It's a fine, fine congregation. And I imagine those few, those few ladies and those children never would have imagined what the Coal Run Church would oh, be today. No, no that. Uh, um, Mrs. Weddington was uh, the elder of those two, and uh, they um, both just stayed with the church until their death. And they're both buried right there at uh, the uh, Coal Run uh, Cemetery. Hmm. But that, uh, that congregation has become a major influence for the kingdom. In yes, that, uh, it certainly has. Area. Yeah, we've we've had the privilege of holding a number of revivals in that part of the country, West Virginia and and uh, East Kentucky around Pikeville, and you yeah. can you can see the influence, and everyone knows the Coal Run Church. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting that uh, now my oldest son uh, just retired as a yeah. minister. <laughs> His daddy can't retire, but he did. <laughs> well, he's been retired now for three months, and I think 
that he's had two Sundays that he hasn't been preaching. Well, that's why I was going to say retired has a question mark after it because I, yeah. I talked with him. I know how much he's working and, and the people there in, in that part of the country love him and love to hear him preach. So he's going to stay oh, busy. Yeah. I don't I don't see him sitting around doing nothing. No. no. Well, he is directing the National Prayer Clinic as well. Yes. I just finished up yesterday. I think. Yeah, I yeah. just finished up yesterday. Yeah, I was talking to, to one of the uh, men who sang there, um, and he's going to meet me in Bluefield uh, tomorrow. We're starting a revival on Sunday in Bluefield, West Virginia, and uh, oh, Brian Goins. And, oh, yeah. And, and, uh, I know Brian. and we've interviewed Brian as well, <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, always enjoy working with him. And now, he was the associate there at uh, Cold Run for a time. Yes, I, yeah, I knew that. And uh, it's yeah. just a good good place there. Uh, so after Cold Run, where did you go from Cold Run? Oh, you, you went, you went uh, to be at the, at the Huntington, and then after Huntington, what did you do? Well, then I went up to uh, Eskdale in the coal fields, my first full-time ministry. Oh, right, right, okay. And after one year, they fired me. Well, you're, yeah. I've been told you, you're not a good preacher. You haven't been fired at least right. once, and even better if you've been fired twice. <laughs> well, I have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In fact, try three. But anyway, <laughs> the, uh, uh, I went from uh, Eskdale. Uh, I was preaching a revival up in uh, Buck Run, Mm-hmm. West Virginia, out of Peyton City, yeah. which is just south of uh, Wheeling. I, I know where Buck runs at and, and have, yeah. have done revivals in Peyton City. Oh, great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, while I was holding that revival, this revival came at the end of my 60-day notice from my being fired. <laughs> and... Uh, the I had no place to go. I had written to everybody I knew, called everybody I knew, tried I preached a couple of trial sermons and tried to find some place to preach and there was no place to preach. So I prayed, Lord, if you want me to preach, you're gonna have to supply the place because I have done everything I can and I don't know I don't have any place to go. So on the Wednesday of the second week of the revival the Peyton City preacher said, Jack, I heard you're looking for a church, and there's one up here in the country that uh, is looking for a preacher. Let's go up and uh, see if we can find somebody to talk to. Okay. We drove up to Bethesda, Ohio, and uh, found a farmer out in his barn who was the elder at the church, and he said, well, it's my Sunday to fill the pulpit. You just come and preach for us, and we'll talk to you about being our preacher. <laughs> I said, okay. So on Friday night of the revival, after the meeting was over, I drove down to Charleston, where my wife was with uh, staying with her parents. And we came back up on Saturday and went up to Bethesda. I preached for them on Sunday morning. But on Friday night, the folks at the Buck Run Church said, this revival's going so well, would you keep us another week? And I said, well, I got no place to go. <laughs> so, sure. So I preached another week. At the end of that second week, well, 
that we uh, had that trial sermon on that Sunday. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the sermon was over and we went out and we talked with the elders on Sunday afternoon, I said, men, I don't want to pressure you, but I'm going to have to know because I have to decide what I'm going to do for a living. And they called me Monday night and said, we want you to be our preacher. Can you start this Sunday, this coming Sunday? So I finished that revival. They paid me $200, which was more money than I'd ever seen in one place in my life. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I went to be the preacher of the Bethesda Church the next day. And I had never, never missed a Sunday. And the Lord always provided a place for me to preach and gave me good blessing in the meantime. Uh, Bethesda is east of St. Clairsville, or west of St. Clairsville. Yeah. And there's a church out there yeah. called Chestnut Level Church. Of Christ. Yes. And I've held about three revivals at Chestnut Level, and the Bethesda folks came up, and we actually had to hold one of those three revivals at the Bethesda Church because Chestnut Level's building was being torn down and built new. And so well, so we got to go to the old building at Bethesda before they, they moved into their new facility. So, uh, but that's been a few years back since I was up at Chestnut Level. I, I lost you there for a second. There we go. I, th- I think we lost our audio for a moment. Yeah. There you go. What were you saying? Okay. All right. We're back. All right. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, but anyway, from there, I went over to uh, Pittsburgh actually the Braddock Church, to uh, get my master's degree at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. So I uh, then, after I preached there during the time I was a, a student at Pitt, then I went moved down to Vanceburg, Kentucky. And uh, after a year, they uh, uh, let me come over to Kentucky Christian and preach on a part-time basis. So for... A total of about three years, I was preaching uh, at Vanceburg and teaching at Kentucky Christian and driving back and forth. And then in the middle of that time, we moved over to Grayson, and I was teaching at Grayson at the college and driving back and forth to Vanceburg. And I'm sitting here in a motel not far from Vanceburg right now. I'm at Maysville. Oh, Maysville. (laughs) (laughs) We're in between revivals in Indiana and... And West Virginia, and we we just stopped for a couple of nights to get laundry done, and we're heading out tomorrow. So, uh, and we know of Vanceburg. We've been right by the church building there a number of times. Never held a revival there, but we've been by there several times. Yeah, uh, I I had a good ministry there, but I also, of course, I was wanting to teach at college. Sure, and uh, so that became a full time uh, occupation for a while. Uh, then. Uh, after I left there, I moved down to Atlanta Christian College, and I taught there for a time. And then I went up to Johnson City, Tennessee, and I was the first preacher of the downtown Christian church in Johnson City, Tennessee. So it was a new, uh, a new church work. Brand new church in the oldest church building in town. Now, how did that happen? First Christian church in Johnson City 
grew to such an extent that they built a, they had started with an old uh, standard looking church, built a huge, big new uh, auditorium right beside of it that would seat 450 people and outgrew it. And so they moved up to the north end of town, built a new building, and 140 mad people decided, we're not going up there. My daddy helped build this church. And so we started that uh, church with 140 mad people. And uh, during the next three years while I was there, we grew to 300 and some people. Anybody who was mad at any church in town came to downtown Christian. We were, we were the 10th uh, Christian church uh, in with the Johnson City, Tennessee address. Oh, my goodness. There were nine other congregations. Mm. And after three years, we had every mad church member. In, in the now, county. how did that work out, being a preacher of a lot of mad folks? I finally went. I, I got a call to come to Mid-South Christian <laughs> College and be their president, and I ran. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad he did. <laughs> so that what year would that have been when you came to Mid South? 1975. Yes. 1975. Yeah, and uh, that's the year I met Becky Regis. That was a good year. And that's the year I started preaching. Took my first church. It was 1975. Okay, good year all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I preached there, or I taught. I was president there for five years. And then I did the dumbest thing I have ever done in my life. I made my wife my secretary. And bless her heart, best woman alive. Uh, they say that everybody's a sinner, but if she ever sinned, I don't know how or when or where that could have happened. Uh, we were married for 69 years. She passed away a couple of years ago. But anyway, uh, I met her, I made her my secretary and she couldn't leave the college uh, affairs at the office. Oh. I, always, I always loved the idea that I could leave the office and go home and not think about anything till the next morning. She could not do that. And so we talked and we carried uh, we carried on the business of the school but uh, we had on our board of trustees we had a uh, chiropractor and he loved to treat us and he had us at his office um, toward the end of that time and he said to me take Jean to a doctor right now her blood pressure is going to kill her so I said, okay. And so I went and took her uh, to the doctor. He put her in the hospital. Uh, she almost died. Mm. And I told the board at the school, I will gladly give my life for this college, but not my wife. Yes. Yeah. So we, we left there. We came to Florida. Um, my first church here in Florida was at uh, Eustis, Florida. Right. I, I remember that you were I, Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, in fact, that's where we go to church now. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to church in, on Sunday morning. I go to services on Sunday morning at the what is now the uh, Lake Eustis Christian Church. And then I go to church out of Yalaha on Sunday night and preach. And preach. <laughs> Just can't give it up, can you, brother? No, I told we have a doctor in the church there in, in Yalaha. And I told her, if I have a heart attack, don't you dare stop me from going to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so how long? He wants to, he wants to die uh, while he's preaching. I said, well, that might be a little traumatic for the congregation. Those who are listening to you, but, but, but that'd be good for you. But <laughs> it would be a, it, it, well, you would make your point, wouldn't you? <laughs> be prepared. I'm convinced and I tell people there's nothing wrong with going to heaven. No, sir. There ain't nothing wrong with going to heaven. And when we get that straight, I think we have learned the gospel. Yeah. It took me a long time. So uh, I'm sure that a lot of people have wondered at my lack of expression of grief over the death of my wife. But Gene got to go to heaven. Yeah. Sure. Nothing nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing Nothing wrong with that. You know, when I was a young man, Brother Jack, I I used to listen to older folks saying that they're ready to go home, and I thought, well, I want to go to heaven, but I want to go don't want to go right now, and I, but I didn't want to go on the bus that day. But I got to tell you, if the bus was parked outside today. I'd go out there and say, open the door, let me on. I'm, I, I've learned, I've I've learned that, and and uh, I, I don't the world, go ahead. The world teaches us that you should stay here. John said, if you love the world, you don't love the Father. Right. So you got to get past loving the world and just love the glory. And that's, that's where I am. So you went to Eustace in 1980, 81? Uh, 83, actually. Oh, 83, okay. Yeah, I worked with a mission program that we had that had a satellite and we uh, we were broadcasting uh, live uh, satellite programs through a NASA satellite uh, from uh, North Carolina was where we had the up up uh, link, and then we had downlinks primarily in um, the West Indies, uh, including uh, primarily Puerto Rico. And side and nut of Good News Productions. Yes. Uh, I got him to come and be our program director. He produced the program. They they gave us these limitations because it's the government own thing. This was NASA. Right. They said, now look, you, your programming has to be in the language and the culture of the target audience, which is the West Indies. Right. Okay? You cannot do, use any preaching. You cannot teach any church doctrine. You can only teach the Bible. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that works out. <laughs> so for three years, Zidanut produced Spanish language uh, marvelous programming. We sent that three hours a day from uh, his uh, operation in Joplin, Missouri, to North Carolina, to 
the satellite, which was over Hawaii, by the way, uh, back to the Caribbean. And we did that for three years. And then NASA decided they wanted to take that satellite uh, and use the money to um, put up the space shuttle. Right. And it was costing them a million dollars a year for us. It cost us nothing. Wow. But anyway. What a story. Um, out, out of that experience, Zayden got his own uplink. He broadcasts six hours a day, and his broadcasting is around the world. And they're, are they, Zayden, they're, uh, they're still broadcasting from Joplin? Yeah. Yeah. Zayden is the most effective minute, uh, preacher since Paul. Yeah. He is literally going into all the world. I asked him one day many years ago, Zayden, how many people are you reaching? He says, from all we can learn, we are preaching to six million people a day. Wow. And that, I'm, I'm glad to have had a, a little hand in encouraging that, getting that, just being a go-between. So that's, yeah. and that is from, just for our listeners, that's Good News Productions out of Joplin, yeah, Missouri. Right. So in case somebody wants Good to look news. that up on the web and, and check that out further. Yeah. yeah. Good News Productions International. Good News Productions International. The, yeah. The finest mission program we have in the world. And I say that sitting here beside of the, one of the best missionaries we've ever been able to send. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can believe that. I have four children, and I know where time's going away, but... No, uh, talk to us about your children. Okay, the oldest is Jane. She's our daughter. She went to Bible college. She married Bob Bender. Uh, they, he preached here at the Eustace Church, in fact, until his death about 10 years ago. Just recently, she has remarried, and still had the home that she and Bob had bought and we remodeled the garage and uh, laundry room into a mother-in-law apartment. Hmm. So now I'm a mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> In the in-laws apartment. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, then our oldest son is Jerry, whom you know, mm-hmm. and the preacher of the Coal Run Church and the director of the uh, National Prayer Clinic, and, and, and. Jerry is a marvelous preacher. Jim, our second son, is a missionary who has been in uh, Papua New Guinea for the past six years. There he has worked with training people who had no Bible in their language. They produced a Bible in they're, I don't know, they're at five or six, ten maybe now. Well, no, they've got 14 different uh, ones they're working with. Uh, Jim was training the people in literacy so they could read their own language, and then they could read the Bible in their own language. He's training preachers how to preach using the Bible and training uh teachers in how to teach just the Bible. Mm. And that's been his uh, function. His wife is an amazing accountant. 
and she's been handling all of the financial bookwork for this mission station in uh, Madang, Papua New Guinea, where she had 14 different accounts that she had to take care of for all these missionaries. And now she, uh, they are moving back to uh, the States and she is going to be in charge of their accounting system for local missionaries literally around the world. Oh. Jim's new job is they have formed a consortium of Bible translating agencies that will include uh, uh, pioneer Bible translators and Wycliffe and the denominational uh, missions. We don't care who translates the Bible as long as they translate the Bible. That's right. As long as it's and, the Bible. You're right. And so they've got all these things put together and they, they've formed this consortium. And Jim is going to be the representative of Pioneer Bible Translators in that worldwide organization. Wow. I think that's a big deal. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to... Uh, sometime in the near future, go and let him get settled in, and then I'm going to try to yeah. contact him, and I'll have I'll have all four of you uh, on podcast once I get Jim. So that that'll yeah. be a that'll be a coup. that'll be a first for us uh, out of yeah. about sixty or seventy podcasts to have a whole family of preachers and missionaries. Um, yeah. Well, of course, our youngest son is John, who is they started out as a missionary to. Montevideo, Uruguay, he, uh, we convinced him that we had more Spanish-speaking people in Miami than he had in Montevideo, <laughs> and so he finally came to Miami and started a church there where he had a congregation with 17 different nationalities Wow! from all around in that church in, uh, what was it, Kendall? Yeah. Kendall section of uh, Miami. Miami. Wow. And so then uh, Larry got, Larry Griffin, got mm-hmm. John to come and teach at um, Mid-South Christian College. He's doing that now. And by the way, he's teaching Greek in Spanish. I thought it would be hard to learn Greek and English, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, but to teach it. Mm. he also has just started a new mission to establish uh, Hispanic congregations in Arkansas, of all places. I don't think of Arkansas as a Spanish uh, place, but it, it is, is now. It is now. <laughs> right. He hadn't and been there in a while. Already, <laughs> yeah, they have already established their first congregation and had their first baptism. That was in Little Rock. Now they have two others ready to go, and then a third one in the planning stage. And as fast as they can get um, leadership for those churches, they are establishing these congregations. So he's teaching at uh, Mid-South, starting churches, and plans again to visit uh, Spain. I think one of the most impressive things he's done is his work in Cuba. 
he was working with what was it 35 churches yeah they, they we started off with two and they eventually got to 40 or so congregations in cuba and i had the joy of going down there a couple of times and i tell you what you are glad to get back yes to Miami. always bad to come home after being in cuba <laughs> <laughs> and what our government is doing right now is preparing us to have a cuban style uh society I, with uh, I medicine agree. and schooling mm -hmm. and everything else completely controlled by the government yep and it's not a good thing no it's making the it the preachers down there the churches down there they have a rule that when they be, get up to 12 people they have to uh, stop getting new con uh, new congregates so what they do is start another church yeah hmm. but uh, I, I visited what seven or eight of them yeah when so. i was down there and i had the joy of teaching them a class on biblical eldership and uh well, yeah, they still talk about the, that teaching that you did dad you're from your perspective uh, and you've seen a lot of life here um what do you see as our our greatest challenge as Christians or the church or ministers going forward from this point, brother Jack, you brought up something that's already it. We understand's a challenge. Uh, what do you what do you see ahead? Persecution, uh, finally death for being a Christian in America. It's already mm -hmm. true in much of the world. Yes, sir. I think it's coming. It's coming here. Therefore, I think uh, we Christians in America need to decide what will we do mm -hmm. when when it gets here. Okay. And I, I, that's just pray, what I, that's what I've been preaching a, a lot lately. Yeah. yeah. Pray that God will give us the strength to fulfill our commitment, and that is just you talk about. You want to go to heaven. <laughs> you can load up the bus this afternoon. Well, you know, I've been saying this a lot, Brother Jack, in, in revivals, that this is no time to be hiding under our pews. It's time to oh, no. get out, pick up the banner of Christ, hold up the cross, and say, I stand with Christ. And uh, this is this is a, a sifting time for the church. Yep. I think you're right. Yeah. And, and, you know, people have said, when we started this ministry 18 years ago, they said, well, uh, churches, uh, revivals are dead. People don't, don't uh, churches don't have revivals. I said, revivals aren't dead. Churches are dead. And we yeah. need to revive them. And, and we have seen that in over, well, now with our, with our other team, over 500 revivals since 2004. And we go into churches that are really suffering right now because they've listened to a lot of stuff and gotten frightened and and we just we we can't you know there's a, I keep saying this over and over and, and to our listeners if you've heard me say this in another podcast I apologize but I'll say it again there is a reason the word of God says forsake not the assembly we need yes. to be together we need to be around the Lord's table we need to be reminded not only who we are but whose we are exactly you're you're just definitely right and it's been a it's been a good life 
the Lord has been good to me anyway. <laughs> I, have, I haven't always done exactly like I'm sure he wanted, but uh, I, I've grown a little smarter and a lot older and more absolutely convinced that the Bible is the Word of God, and there's only two things we need to do in this life. One, go to heaven. Two, take somebody with you. Well, that's great. That's it. I don't know if we could add anything better than that, but do you have anything else to say as we wind down here? No, sir. Just thank you for the opportunity. Oh, thank I, uh, you. Thank you. I, I've talked about this with John some as we've gotten ready for this, and uh, uh, I've been in, uh, pleased to have the opportunity to share I've remembered a lot of things I hadn't I'd forgotten. <laughs> I, I heard a story that I'd never heard before. I'm glad it's on the, it'll be on the podcast. I can oh, go great. back and listen to it again. Well, this, <laughs> our podcast now is, uh, we're, we're coming close to 5,000 downloads in, in a little over a year. And we're, we've been list, downloaded in, I think, six or eight European countries, Australia. We just added Austria this last week. Oh, great. Uh, uh, interestingly, our, uh, most of our podcasts, of course, are from the uh, downloads from the U.S. and then followed by Canada. And now France is actually oh. the, the one that downloads us the, the, the most of the top three countries. But uh, 45 states and about a third of Canada we've had downloads from. So um, I, I know your story will be in, inspiring. And you have uh, you encouraged me as a young preacher, but now you inspire me as an old one who's... Uh, Close to, well, Social Security age myself, you, uh, <laughs> you you have really inspired me today. And that I knew you would. That's why I've wanted to get with you. It's a little selfish. But uh, I, I just want to thank you again for taking time to be with us and to share your story because it, it's one that so many people need to hear. And you, you've given us uh, some good words to, uh, to think about here at the end. And I, I hope that our listeners will do that. And... Let me say to our listeners, if this has been an encouragement to you, I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and co-workers in Christ. And until next time, uh, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye, and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain. Amen.